If you're a business owner or a business leader and you're managing all the functions of your C-suite, subscribe to our channel, turn on notifications, and let's start talking about how you can make the most use of your time so that you can enjoy life and keep the dream alive. Welcome to another episode of Fractional with Chris Capone and Associates. I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Robert Renz, and uh, I had a, a little rough meeting before this show, and you told me to take my shoes off, so I'm starting to get, feel, ground, get grounded. Get man. grounded. It's get starting grounded. to feel a little bit better. Yeah, you felt. I felt your temperature come down a couple degrees after you took your shoes off. Yeah, and man. You got you. You can go sand socks if you want to, and <laughs> get into our twenty dollar Target rug here. Yeah, and that'll really help you get you know lower your frequency a little bit more and get right in the podcast space. Yeah, man, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah. But uh, cool. Thanks for thanks for joining today and. Um, you know, would like to, you know, talk and learn a little bit more about your story and specifically what you got going on with uh, Signal Fire and, and the podcast production space and, and all that type this of stuff. This is my favorite, so. Chris, because we're totally shooting from the hip here, right? Like yeah. completely unplanned, no show prep, no notes, nothing at all whatsoever, which is what I think makes podcasting such a great emerging medium, yep. right? Like you're a subject matter expert in what it is that you do. Yep. I'm trying to become a subject matter expert (laughs) in what it is that I do. But, you know, in an environment, when you have an emerging market of something or a new medium, things happen to change faster than what, you know, the people who are producing it can keep up with. Um, But nonetheless, that notwithstanding, that challenge of our industry, being able to just sit down and have a conversation with somebody um, and uh, both share and receive value from each other in an exchange that other people are going to go listen to and hopefully receive value from and then share it. How many times do you, when you and I are talking, you're like, oh, I was listening to this podcast and there was this thing that's like some, how a lot of our conversations start. It's, like, and how, it's how a lot of our modern day conversations start in yeah. general. Like people yeah. are like, oh man, I saw this thing on a podcast and now all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're propagating human communication and we're sharing value further down the chain of people and that's what I think is just such a cool and amazing thing about podcasting is it creates this opportunity for us to do that, to Absolutely. have that value exchange Absolutely, between man. between other sentient human beings. Yeah. So, I mean, like just looking back, you know, on how we met, mm-hmm. I, always, I always like that's always fun on all these is like how, you know, what's the story? How do we get here together? And it goes back to um, well, it actually goes back before we went met in person. Yeah. I used to see your face on a bunch of buses <laughs> and like advertising media for your state yeah, farm. Those, those beautiful uh, photoshopped uh, headshots that I had. Oh man, the all flowing hair, yeah, the grace. Man. I'm bringing it back <laughs> a little bit, right? Yeah. So, so Rob owned a State Farm Insurance mm-hmm. Agency, and you recently exited, yep. which is which is super cool. And yep. now you're focusing on. Stuff that I can tell you are truly stoked about. Yeah, I get to be I get to be uniquely entrepreneurial. Yeah. Like you know, it's it's I I am an advocate for, and State Farm is not a franchise model, but it's about as close as you can get to a franchise model within the insurance space. It's just the agreements are different, right? right. right you're right. you're a licensed independent contractor appointed with the insurance company, where under like these franchise models, like you buy into the system, mm-hmm. um, but you're exclusive to them. As, as a military veteran, and there's so many statistics that are out there now, Chris, um, you know, that, that um, support military veteran franchise ownership, yep. it is a great path to being a small business owner. 
Um, you know, you're given, you're given a playbook, you're given all the standard operating procedures. You're kind of just said here, do these things and manage your people well and run your business tight. Um, and that's what, you know, I think every business person needs to have those kind of fundamental lessons and they're often learned the hard way. Like there's no level of preparation you can do in an MBA program or a job transition, you know, uh, workforce development thing that is going to put you in the chair of running a company. And uh, no matter what the size is, whether it's three people or 3000 people, they all have their own unique challenges. Um, But like you have to learn that experientially. And I learned that in, in the insurance agency. And then I also learned something about myself. Like that was not the best business model fit for me. Right. It just wasn't right. Like I'm not a behind the desk kind of guy. You don't strike me as a behind no, the desk guy. No, no. And, and I like to be more kind of like proactive with my calendar and that type of business model is very reactive. Like when the phone rings, you answer it. When the email comes in, you respond to it. And sometimes that happens outside of normal working business hours. And so while it was a fantastic lesson for me on those like fundamental things that you need to learn that you can only learn by experiencing, it also told me, hey, you know, while this is a, while State Farm is a great company, um, they have a great program. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't the very best fit for me. So, you know, I was like, okay, I'm at year four. I have built something of meaning. And um, I felt like it was like, okay, I can give this up. And I, you know, had to massage some of my customers and whatnot because you build relationships with people and you hate to let those things go sometimes. But it was like, I can hand you all over. You'll land very soft. And then I'm just going to pivot real hard into the things that I know I am passionate about and I can not have to fake motivation over every single day. Yeah. You know, sometimes we get in that trap of like going to work and you're like, I, I don't like what I'm doing. You know, <laughs> been there, man. yeah, we all have been there and sure. you got to put on the face and you got to show up and you got to do it, it. Kills you a little bit inside. It, it does until, until you, you're like, okay, I don't want to die on this hill. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I am dying inside, but I don't want this to physically kill me. And that's where you take a choice on a chance and you decide to do something a little bit different, yeah. You know, yeah. but take all that great experience with you. So, how, so tell it. Let's like tell me, tell me the story. How did you get to, oh, to yeah. where you are today? Like, because you know, we've had we've met and we've had so many conversations, yeah. but I still don't know, like you know, like really the story of yeah. how you got. Because I know you were in the. So I'll back you all the way up to the very beginning. Yeah, um, yeah let's do it. Yeah. So in two thousand three, uh, I was presented with a choice from my dad. He said, "You can uh, join the military, um, or you can figure it out on your own." Both of those options kind of seemed like the exact same kind of path. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the military and figure it out on my own, or I'm not going to go in the military and figure it out on my own. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't really much of a choice for me. My dad was a Marine Corps veteran. I was raised in a Marine Corps household. So I was like, okay, I'm going to join the Marines. That was pretty – I knew that by, like, after September 11th, that Got that it. was kind of going to be my path. Um, and this was, like, kind of like you're exiting high school, like, yeah. at that, that yeah. point Yeah, yeah, I graduated high school in 2003. So somewhere somewhere post 9-11 into yeah. 2002, yeah. I was, like, contract was signed, MOS selected, um, date scheduled to go to Paris Island for boot camp. Like, I basically screwed off my entire senior year 
because I'm I'm kind of lazy um, and I like to procrastinate and I'm already looking ahead to the next thing, which I do have a tendency of doing. I've gotten better yeah. in my in my advanced age. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, October 7th, 2003, I stepped uh, my feet on the yellow footprints of Paris Island, South Carolina um, and became a United States Marine. And shortly thereafter um was right around the time we were already at war in afghanistan we'd Mm -hmm. already made the initial invasion into afghanistan that had been going on for 18 months to two years um but we had just made the invasion into iraq too recently so it was like joining the marines during wartime here we go yeah um and that grows you up really really quick add layer on top of that that um the unit that i was with got transformed into uh, mortuary affairs company or battalion rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we did in mortuary affairs was collect the remains of soldiers, sailors, airmen, coasties, and Marines oh my gosh, and DOD man. contractors that were killed in action. We'd inventory their effects. We'd process their remains. Um, and we would send them home in a dignified manner for a right. military burial to be reunited oh with their family, to be laid to rest. Heavy work for young kids. Very heavy. Very heavy work. Again, you grow up quick when yeah. you're underneath those circumstances. Which which parts of the world were you? Uh, in Iraq. Or? Yeah, in Iraq, um, all in Al Ambar province, western western part of Iraq, about 50 miles west of Baghdad. We were in Camp Al Takadam, Camp Fallujah, Al Assad, Ramadi, Tikrit. Um, that that whole that whole area in the latter part of the world, like 2005 to 2008, was my time of being over there. Oh my gosh, that's um, such a different. <laughs> just that's that's just a. I mean really like hearing you talk about it it's like i'm like trying to like visualize myself as a 19 20 year old kid like you know in in the freaking war like going you know and doing what you're doing it's hard even for me to look back on it now because it feels like such a lifetime ago you know like i'm a i'm a business owner in a beautiful coastal city with a wife who's now a business owner and two beautiful daughters and like i feel like i kind of understand life now (laughs) a little bit um Looking back on it, it's like that really was an experience that most people don't have mm-hmm. um, and and incredibly unique. But just like a part of all those little, you know, like little imprints that you make on on your uh, double helix DNA there that like turns you into the person that you eventually become. Right. Um, so, yeah, that was a, that was a, a crazy, impressionable time. Um, so what time period were you 2003 to 2011? I was overseas from like 05 to 2008. My last deployment, I got home in September of 2008. And then I finished out my time in the reserves around Atlanta. Um, and that's when I I went back to school, went to Kennesaw state, met my wife there. Um, and, uh, she was going through nursing school. So it's the same story that every other Marine has. They married a nurse. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and yeah, we were together. Well, we've been together since 2008. So we're about to celebrate our 10 year wedding anniversary though. Um, this September. Yeah, yeah. dude, I got to put a plug out there. I've done this before on our show. Um, Avello Airlines flying from ILM down to South Florida. Yeah. Super worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I booked round trip tickets to Tampa. We're going to stay at Clearwater Beach, staying on points at the hotel. I want you to guess how much do you think we paid for the flight? Two tickets. Two round tickets, trip. round trip. $185. Close. $174.86. I've been, I've been checking out the prices. Dude, so that's it's why worth I always, it. That's why and I it's a great travel off. experience, too. Yeah. Like the, the flight, the planes are clean, they're modern. Yeah. The, they don't have all the bells and whistles, but it's an hour flight from here to Tampa. Nice uh, yeah. flight attendant. So anyway, shout out to Avello. We're still trying to get them to sponsor the uh, Signal Fire Media <laughs> Podcast Network. There here. you go, Avello. Come on. Um, yeah, but um, went to school, 
studied communications, um, minored in, in American history. Cause I just am kind of like a history nerd like that. Okay. Um, and it, it's interesting, you know, your network, people say your network is your net worth. I never really loved that. Yeah. Um, your net worth is, is what you do. Um, but there is value in your network, yeah. considerable value in your network. If yeah. you know how to get into it. Um, so while I was in school, a couple of guys that I was in mortuary affairs with were training to become funeral directors. Mm -hmm. And so they were working at a funeral home close to where KSU was. And they were like, Hey, you know, can you do some part-time work? Just so happened that the general manager at that funeral home was a Navy veteran. So he's like, you know, mentoring us. And yeah, there's definitely like an unspoken, yeah, like, like bond, an like, exchange of value between, between sure. me and him. And, yep. um, and he invited me to a golf tournament. And I'm like, sure, I'll go play golf. And just so happens the guy who was the fourth on our team, we didn't know, mm -hmm. but he had just moved to Atlanta and he got brought in for the company that the, the funeral home general manager was working for. They have a very big sales organization, huge okay. multinational company, was, uh, was multinational. Now it's U.S. only. They divested like 60% of their properties um, somewhere in the late 90s, early 2000s. But nonetheless... He was like, saw me, was talking to me, was like, hey, you're, you would be good in sales. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, bro, no. Sales is for people who can't get a real job, right? That's how <laughs> I thought about it. And he was just persistent. He was like, no, you'll come and work for me. I'll teach you the, I'll teach you the trade. Like, you're a good communicator. You have an interesting backstory that makes you relatable to people. Yep. Um, and maybe not so much relatable to people, but gives you credibility um, cause it was working in funeral and cemetery sales. So he's like, bro, you've got like the thing you need to, to do to be successful here. So I took a leap and I went and worked for him. And, and that's kind of where I started my path to being a professional salesperson, which yeah. is sort of what I bill myself as now professional salesperson slash entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Those two things have to go hand in hand in my mind, in order to be a successful entrepreneur, you kind of have to be able to go out and sell a product or a service to people. Well, definitely. Yeah. I mean, some people, you know, I guess there's a tendency to think that the salesman is the guy with the big smile, like the cheat, you know, yeah. the outgoing personality, this and that, but really, you know, dependent sales, sales is about solving problems mm -hmm. for, or, you know, finding an entry point and solving problems for, for customers. Right. right? And not every, you know, you don't have to be that outgoing, like, you know, over the top person to be a good salesman. You know, there's, there's many different ways that you can relate and, yeah. and, and work with people. I find, I find those people, um, to be off-putting and especially now because we have this caricature of a salesperson, you know, the used car salesman, yeah, exactly. how old is that? Like 30 or 40 years old now that we've yeah. been, that we've been hanging this on the heads of these poor used car sales people when they're really just decent people trying to make a living. Right. But, but, but to be, but your, your point is exactly right. To be like a consultative professional salesperson, you're really just looking for an entry point, mm -hmm. uh, for somebody who has a problem with which you have a solution to solve it. Yep. Like you're a great example of that, man. Like you saw a marketplace, um, for component associates and you provide a service and you're likable and you're outgoing enough, but you're not the, you're not the wild over the top person yeah. that we associate with the sales yeah, caricature, sale. yeah. but at your juncture for where your business asks, if you're not selling, you're not succeeding right. at all. So you right. have to, you have, it's an essential function 
of any business. Um, and so when you when I came to realize that, that it wasn't so much about like I have to go out and sell because I have to make a number. Right. Um, but it was more like, no, I'm going out and looking for people who need what it is that I have to provide. Yep. That allowed me to skinny my market down considerably instead of going, oh, well, everybody can use the product that I have. If mm -hmm. you think your target market is everybody, you don't have a target market. Right, exactly. When you can skinny that down and go, that's the person that I should be contacting today because I have a solution for their need or for their problem, then you become the professional salesperson. Then you walk yourself out of that caricature because you're just solving problems for yep. people. And that's what I think professional selling is. Yeah, definitely. So from, you know, so coming back from, you know, getting out of, out of the military mm -hmm. and then going into work in the, the mortuary, the yeah, mortuary. Yeah, I mean, business, what a hell yeah. of a business. I mean, dude, there's so demand much money is, uh, yeah. you know, demand, I guess is always there. Incredibly it's kinda, high. Kind of morbid to talk about, but it, I it mean, is, but it isn't, but I it's mean, just the reality. Like, yeah. It's, it's a part of the human condition, right? Yeah. Like they, they say the only two inevitable things are death and taxes. Yeah. Like you and your teams can deal with the taxes. And then there's me and other people that sort of deal with the death. You mean think about that. Yeah. That, that sort of deal with the death side of things. But yes. Yeah, 7,800 people pass away in the U.S. every day. That's our average mortality. Um, add on to that that the baby boomer generation, 10,000 baby boomers are turning 65 every day. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, you add that in after the baby boomers. We had uh, the big Latin America immigration. Yep. Um, and then the Gen Xers populated at a rate slightly lower than the boomers. But the millennials, man, we're some baby makers, yeah. right? So if you look at the next like 80 years of, of clients yeah. for the funeral and cemetery industry, it's bigger than it's ever been um, just by sheer volume of people and then working the statistics out that 7,800 people are going to pass away a day. So it is an incredibly lucrative business, mm -hmm. um, but it, it is also one of those ones that as we evolve as a country and our traditions um, some change, some solidify, yep. um, but we become a little bit more pragmatic in our approaches to things. Um, it's, it's a, it's a service that's changing kind of rapidly as culture says, no, this is, this is what we want. This is how we want to create a legacy. Yep. This is how we want to be remembered. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you this, this will just be a quick little, a quick little info FYI for people. Um, three things three major purchases that people make are currently outpacing the inflation rate. Yep. Cost to educate, cost of healthcare, and the cost to die. So that's your your funeral services, whether it's cremation or, or traditional burial, doesn't matter, and the cost for cemetery space. So if you can get ahead of those three major expenses somehow, whether it be through insurance, the savings account, something, get out ahead of those. Cause your CFO will thank you for it. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> a, my dad, my dad jokes, you know, cause we're, we're kind of, you know, going through some of that stuff with the family mm -hmm. right now is kind of that like end of life planning. And I mean, geez, the, the just the amount of the business that is built off billions that is just billions insane. of dollars and, um, not going to, but my, you know, we've, we've kind of joking, but kind of serious. My dad's like, when I get, he, and he loves golf, you know, that's like his deal. He loves golf. He's like, he's like, when I get to that point, just send me out on the golf course okay? and just, just, just send me out. And that's it. That's Let all I need, man. Yeah. But, uh, oh geez. So, um, so 
then from you know so working in the mortuary business mm-hmm. which you still are yeah a yeah. little bit a little, little bit, bit yep. right yep a little bit helping with talent strategy and acquisition for uh, for a friend's company they headhunted me and brought me in nice. uh after i exited the state farm agency they and this is where i so you put same the, guy too by the way really? same exact guy that hired me on the golf course in 2010 or 2011 yeah paid attention to everything that i had been doing we kept in touch he's one of my closest friends he's a mentor um, and was like, Hey, you uh, kind of have a need for some of the skill sets that you provide. Yeah. Um, and I was like, man, I'm doing my media thing. I'm kind of semi-retired, you know, like make me an offer Yeah. and we'll see if we can get there. And, and we did. Uh, so it's, it, I'm kind of, you know, dipping my toe back into that industry, but from a totally different perspective, Right. which is what, which is what I love so much now looking back on it, you know, having like a just 2003 20 year career now um is is being able to to look at all those checkpoints to go okay that was a meaningful connection that I've now kept for 20 some odd years mm-hmm. and that time overdoing this thing was not wasted at all um you know cuz sometimes if you leave an opportunity you can feel like wow I just wasted four years of my life on that. But if you're really being honest with yourself and you're being introspective, you look back at all the stuff that you learned that you can then carry forward with you. Um, You know, like I I left the funeral profession for the first time and I went to work for the Atlanta Braves and sports talk radio, 680, the fan in Atlanta, Georgia. Best job of my life. What were you doing there? Sales. Yeah. Sales, okay. yeah, advertising sales. Yeah, um, you know, TK, our producer engineer extraordinaire, he's spent some time in the radio business, so he'll check my bullshit on this and, and make sure that I'm being <laughs> he's honest. Shaking with his head it. a little bit over there, but yeah. so far I think it's, yeah, it's, so it's, far it's, it's legit. So far we're good. So far when you're wor- when you're working, uh, yeah, still here. <laughs> when you're working within um, like the radio model and it works, mm-hmm. right? You've got great programming. Yep. Um, you've got a sales department that again knows exactly who their target market is and everybody is doing the thing necessary to create good quality media. It's a special thing to be right. around and it's fun to be around. Like yeah. I, I have a group thread. Do you, do you remember um, Snowpocalypse in Atlanta? You remember when that happened? What year was that? It was, I think it was 2014. I believe it was. It, it I actually, do because it, it happened up here in, I think, like yeah. in the Raleigh area as It well. was 2012 to 2014, somewhere yeah. in there, because that's when I was working there. But for those of you listening at home that don't remember this, Atlanta got an ice storm. Nobody was prepared for it. Six million people hit the roads all at the exact same time. It froze. Kids were sleeping in school buses. It was a freaking nightmare. Right. Um, I was working at 680 and for the Braves at the time. And uh, we started a group thread. It was around the first time that you could start a group thread text message chain. I had a Windows phone, so I was the green bubbles before we went with green and blue. (laughs) We have maintained that group thread since Snowpocalypse consistently every day for now 10 or 11 years with those people that I worked with at that radio station. That's really cool. Yeah. So I'm still in the fantasy football league drafts. Like, I want to make a movie about how long our text thread has been maintained throughout all of yeah. this. Uh, but the point the point to all that was to say, like, that was a great job because of the people. Mm-hmm. Like, everything is better when you're around people that you like to be around. Absolutely. And everybody has, like, a singular focus on this is our mission, this is our vision, these are our values. Now, what's our objective today? Is it to make money? Always. But is it to, is it to provide something of meaning to humanity or to a community 
if you can do both of those things, make money and provide value to your community, then it is no longer hard to go to work anymore. Absolutely. So that's, that's just my one little nugget of advice to people. Like, you know, your show is very entrepreneurially focused. Like I'm thinking about getting into business maybe, or I'm in business and I'm kind of getting to that point where it's like, I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Maybe I feel like I'm stuck. Find a way to make money and provide a valuable service to your community Yeah. and rest your laurels on that. Yep. You can, that can get you through sometimes Yeah. that can get you through sometimes. What would, I wanted to ask this question thinking about it. Cause I always tell people, you know, what is, you know, success is a subjective term. It is. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if what, what would, what is your definition of success for, for you? I mean, certainly, point? certainly, you know, like reputation is important for me. And I've always kind of defined, you can put reputation and brand in the same sort of personal brand and reputation mm-hmm. in the same, like that is what do people say about you when they leave the room? Yep. Like, is it like, you know, Rob's a mostly good guy, but he's also full of shit. Sometimes they would be right about that if that's what they said. But if the mostly good guy is what people think about me when I leave the room, I, I count that as, you know, success. Cause we're all honest with ourselves. We're all kind of pieces of shit sometimes, you know, but if you're mostly good, I, I quantify that as success. Being able to come home each and every day, pick my daughters up from school, drop them off at school, be involved in the orientations and the ballets and the gymnastics, being there for more of that than what I have to miss because you do have to make sacrifices. Yep. Um, I count that as success. Nice. Having a wife who is my best friend because we collaborate and we talk to each other and we work hard on our relationship, but we also solve complex problems together. I count that as success. And the downstream from all of that, Chris, I believe, is the financial reward of doing the right things for the right reasons. Yep. Money follows that. Yep. Money follows that. If you're blind capitalist, which I have no problem with. If you're just in it to make money, go make money. Good for you. Yep. Um, I just like to look at it from the, from the other direction. Yeah. I'm going to do the right things. I'm going to provide value to my community and then I'm going to ask them for money sometimes. Have you, have you, <laughs> have you always kind of had that no. vision or no. when, when do you think you, no. um, cause all, and just th- before you answer that, yeah. I mean, m- myself, and I'm sure so many people out there, what they're struggling with is they don't even know what their definition of success is. Mm-hmm. So how can you be happy or, you know, you know, feel good about what you're doing if you don't know what it is that you're trying to achieve? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, there was a time, there was a period in my career where I chased the financial vision of success. Yep. And I found myself on the back end of it going WTF. Mm-hmm. Like it was like I was making great money and that money passed right through our bank account into stuff right. and things right. and all the stuff where, you know, people are like, oh, wow, that's, you know, a fantastic suit. How much did that cost you? And I was like 1500 bucks. And they're like, well, you must be crushing it. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, my bank account is getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. Mind you, I have always been retiring. I started retiring at like 12 years old when I started doing, when I started mowing lawns. So there's always been money going into 401ks and into mutual funds and whatnot. But that, but you know, cash, 
I spent it really fast because that's what I thought successful people did because you mm -hmm. had to look successful. Right. 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 Um, I hated myself at the end of it. I was like, dude, you are not being true to who you are because you think that success looks like looks like this. Right. So then I had to do a whole reassessment of my life and say, OK, finances are important. Mm -hmm. You need money. Right. Um, but what do you need money for? So let's start with our just like our basic things that we need to live food, water, and shelter. Yep. Do I have enough to cover food, water, and shelter? Cool. Put that into a category. Yep. Then you add on from there. Well, now that I've got my basic survival needs met, what are some things that provide me comfort that I enjoy doing? Yep. Like I like to go surfing and surfboards aren't cheap. Neither are wetsuits. Mm -hmm. I like to go fishing. Fishing is not Definitely cheap. Definitely not a cheap activity not, either. No. no, by the way, your boy that you had uh, that's out in Bermuda, is it Will? Worth. Yeah. Worth. Worth. Yeah. Holy crap, dude. They won like $150,000 yeah, for a Yeah, they killed it. Dude. They killed it. Shout out to him and to you for having him on your podcast. That was so cool to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so your basic needs are met. And then what are those comfort items that you like to have because you find joy in them? Like- us having chickens is probably more expensive lifetime value than just going to freaking Whole Foods and buying a dozen organic free range eggs. Yep. When you put the exorbitant amount of money I spent building that chicken coop for my wife. You, same yeah. same exact You and thing, I yeah. share that. You yeah. and I share that. Definitely. Or or the however much money I spent building the garden boxes to yep. get like a couple dozen tomatoes. Right, exactly. But the money doesn't matter on what that costs because those activities bring us joy. Absolutely. So that's how I look at financial success now. Are our needs met? Are we are we progressing towards retiring? Because I don't want to outlive my money. I see a lot of people that they get to that point and they're like, I just have to keep working. Yeah. So you have to prepare for the future, mm -hmm. meet your needs, prepare for the future, and then whatever you have left over, that discretionary income, do what you want with it. Right. Just do what makes you happy. I hear you. And if you can do those three things, you don't need much more than that, yeah. in my opinion. No, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So when when do you think you like finally figured that out? At what point in in your life? Like now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, really right. now. Yeah. Um, the the four years of being in business so far, I'm going to be entering into my fifth year of being on my own, and I've I've kind of talked to a lot of people in business that are ahead of me now. Like I stopped listening to people, not, I didn't stop listening to them. I still commiserate would be the right word for it yeah. with people that are at the same, you know, like a uh, timeline as me in terms of being in business for yourself. Yep. And then I look ahead to those ones that have been doing it for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years and trying to forecast out like how my life will look. Circumstances mm -hmm. are totally different. We're completely different people. I understand that. Yep. Um, but most of the people that are at year 10 or year 15 said at year five, I really figured it out. Yep. Like that's when it kind of started to make sense. And when you think about it, um, I'm going to misquote the book. I don't want to screw it up. Um, but uh, the gentleman who, who said it takes 10,000 hours to become pretty much a virtuoso at anything. Um, so if you're dedicating... In 10,000 hours, that's a, I mean, if you look at it on a standard work year of about 2,000 hours a year, that's yeah. about, that's five that's years. About five that's years, about five right? years, right? So if you're, if the thing that you're practicing is golf and you're practicing golf for 10,000 hours, right. you're going to be a really good golfer at the end of that. Yep. Flip over to, I practiced business 
for five years for 10,000 hours. Right. By that 10,000 and first hour, you're like, okay, yeah. I kind of figured it out because I screwed a lot of but stuff you gotta, up. But you got to be like disciplined about it because like the, the golf example, mm -hmm. if you practice golf for 10,000 hours over like 40 years, you're probably still going to suck. You probably, right? Because you got to have that like consistency yeah. of every day, yeah. you know, going and building and building those, you know, the muscle memory and the, and the mindset to do that. But I think it's, it's the same with business. It's the same with a lot of things in yeah. life. Like you got to be consistent about yeah. how you're doing it. Yeah. Right? Well, if you're serious about business, mm -hmm. right. And you show up every single day, like you're putting in those reps, every single day yep. and you know there's the hours that people don't see when your business is closed when you're catching up on emails or you're like oh crap i've got a hundred transactions that i have to code because i'm an <laughs> awful bookkeeper or i've got this kind of customer service issue that is important it just wasn't urgent so but now i need to come back around to it so really like dude if when you're in those first five years of business ownership you're putting in 10 to 12 hours a day mm -hmm. whether or not they're 10 to 12 office hours or focused hours, you're putting in repetitions. And over that five-year, 10,000-hour you know, life cycle, yep. you'll try things that don't work. And you'll go, well, crap, that didn't work. I always like, if you're going to fail, fail fast and move on. Yep. Right? Go, that's not working. I'm going to stop this now. I still have a passion for what I'm doing, so I'm going to find a different way to make it work. That was all just practice on, you know, like a bad habit in a golf swing, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're coming too high over the top and you're chunking every ball that you hit, it's like, I got to stop doing that. Yeah. You know, that can be like, oh, this marketing thing that I thought was going to make me $10 million ended up costing me 250000 yep. and netted me nothing. That's an over the top swing. I need to change that tactic. Right. Um, but if you're doing it and you're putting in the effort and you're consistent and you're focused and you keep your priorities in that I'm going to make this work mm -hmm. and give yourself grace knowing that you're going to screw up yep. and, and you're going to screw up and there's going to be times where your screw ups impact other people around you. Um, when you walk that road and you know that that's a possibility, I think you try a little bit harder. Yeah, for sure. I think you just try a little bit harder. Yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> especially like, you know, when, there's another saying, it's like, if you say you're going to do something out loud to like other people, mm -hmm. you're kind of like putting a bug in your head. It's like, yeah. oh, like I'm setting this expectation and it like gives you like a little bit more of a drive to cognitive dissonance is a hell of a thing, yeah. right? Like yeah, exactly. when, you, when you say you're going to do something and you <clears throat> don't do it and you're somebody who has self-discipline and also has self-accountability <clears throat> that sits with you until the thing gets done. Yeah, right. Totally. And, and I think it's important to um, to like, just own your mistakes generally to people. Like yeah. if it's a customer or, you know, uh, Chris Voss wrote the, uh, um, never split the difference. Yeah. It's a good great one. book. Yeah. One of the best things that I learned from him was the chapter on leading with the negative dynamic. Yes. Right. So if getting somebody, somebody to say no, is that, is well, that the no, one? So leading with the negative dynamic was more like, um, you know, if like I screwed up, like, oh, let's yeah, say we yeah, screwed yeah. up one it's of like, your podcast man, episodes. I'm, yeah. It was real bad. You're going to kill me. Own uh, it up front. Yeah. Chris, we screwed this up, and I'm sorry. I take ownership, <clears throat> and I take accountability for it. Yep. How would you like for us to fix it? Yep. And just go, I'm wrong. I own it. You want to kill me? You want to punch me? No? Okay, well, then let's figure out a way to fix it together. Yep. Um, and then it just diffuses that whole that whole like negative vibe that can can occur 
when there's an unsolved problem or conflict between two people, yeah. it's just immediately disarming and diffusing and saying, I did this wrong. What can we do right? Yeah. Like, how can we fix it? Yeah. So I think, I don't know where I was going with that thought, um, but <laughs> it was, was a good one. It's it going to make good a good one. social media clip. <laughs> well, what, 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 spurred, what spurred all this was I was, you know, we were at, I was asking you what your definition of success was. Mm and asking you when you figured that out yeah. and you're like i'm just kind of figuring out that now yeah and it's kind of you know i've been in business kind of for myself for five years you know five years yeah. and then we got onto the the topic of being a virtuoso and ten thousand hours which is about that five so year mark. about podcasts yeah. you just talk about a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> without any real plan yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> man um no it's really cool i think like your definition of of success is that you know is it's cool that you have one and a lot of people don't know what their definition is. And it's hard to, it's hard to go somewhere if you don't know where you're going. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and, and, and like bringing it back to, to business and stuff, you know, when I meet with clients for the first time, typically they have a problem and they really want to talk about it. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? So yeah. Okay. Like, let's talk about your problem. But then we take a step back. I'm like, okay, so what's what's the five years, ten years look like? What's that picture look like? Yeah. Because that really looking at what the long term picture is helps you plan backwards to figure out, okay, what do I need to do today, this week, this month, this quarter, yeah. this year yeah. to get me closer to achieving that end goal? Do you find when you ask people that <laughs> most of them uh, like their immediate default position is to go with like a financial goal? You know, it's. I'd say it's really kind of 50-50. I think what, what surprises me is what I had expected to hear from most business owners was, I want to sell my business, mm -hmm. right? Which equates to a financial goal. Yeah. But if you dig deeper, I think with that, obviously there's a financial goal, but if you really dig deeper, what it means is that they're looking for that freedom yeah. to go and do what they truly love. That's all everybody's chasing, right? That's, right? It's, it's the ch chasing the dream, man. Yeah. Trying to figure out how to keep the dream alive. Yeah. And I think a lot of business owners, when they start their business, it starts out as something that they that they really enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. You know, for the majority of people, yeah. you know, you get the people that are like, "I'm just truly a commercial, yeah. you know, in it for the money type yeah. deal." And and that's great. That's I mean, gonna be the sandwich shop. That's people. fantastic. Right? I don't know how you can own thirty six Jersey Mikes and find joy in making in making a delicious sandwich every day. <laughs> right. You know, it's got to be more about like I'm running a business. Yeah. That makes sandwiches. Right. Exactly. I don't know how you get you know like over the moon. Yeah. <laughs> doing backflips about that. No, exactly. But you know, most business owners they get into business because they love what they're doing. They mm -hmm. have a passion about it, and then you know. They grow, and then you have to hire people, and then with that comes additional responsibility. It comes, there's liabilities. You're like, okay, I'm hiring these people. Like, I'm now in charge of, you know, providing for my employees. Like, I can't just, you know, if I wake up tomorrow and I don't feel like doing this anymore, I, you know, it'd be kind of messed up if I'm just like, all right, guys, we're closing the doors. You know, thanks for five years of your life and everything. And, yeah. You know, PC later. Yeah. But it really comes back to, you know, where, you know, where do I want to be in 10 years? And I think a lot of people, they build this business with the, build a business with starting with something that they love. And it just, they get away from doing the stuff that they truly enjoy because it turns into a business yeah. and you got to do it. And, and ultimately it's like, how do I, how do I exit? You know? And those are, and, and that's like the, the most fun conversations to have with people yeah. is, you know, how do we strategize for that plan? 
And really, you know, what it comes back to is having a good foundation and control over what's going on today and really truly knowing what is that what is that goal in 10 years because we can look at your PL and we can put kpis together that says you're you know yes you're making money and your profit margin is 15 percent you know and you know which is above you know average yeah but at the end of the day it's it's about you know being able to do what brings you enjoyment yeah so yeah what do you recommend for people that like, cause the business owner and I've found myself guilty of this. Um, so it's probably now turning into a therapy session for Rob, uh, more than no, anything this is else. A, it's a mutual, mutual session. Yes. So sharing and receiving a value There you go. for the busy business person yeah. who does, who might be too far in the weeds to really go pull themselves up and go, all right, this is why I'm doing this. And this is my goal by this date. How do you recommend people do that? Man, it's so hard to do. It it really is. And there's, I wouldn't say there's a right solution for every situation, but somehow you have to get, you, you, you have to get yourself out of the business and where you can just refresh your mindset on like, why am, am I doing this? Yeah. Why are we, what, what's the goal? Like, what, why are we doing this? Like, yeah, I know that I have to get this order out this week to meet this customer's deadline and I'm going to do everything. But, you know, this isn't necessarily where I started. Mm -hmm. I think a, a really practical thing is, and it's really scary and hard to do, is go take a vacation, yeah. turn your phone off, turn your email off, and just literally try not to think about work for a yeah. while. And it's extremely hard to do. It's going to take you many days to even just get out of that mindset. Yeah. But like day six, seven, eight, you start to realize you're like, <laughs> seriously, like, you know, it's going to take a while. Your last two days of vacation are the only good ones. I know, exactly. <laughs> and then, no, it's, well, it's like, it's like, you know, take a 10 day vacation. First five days, you're trying to get out of it. Day six and seven and eight, you're like enjoying it. Yeah. And then day nine, you're like, crap, I got to go. I got to go back yeah, to work. Yeah, I got to start thinking about loads stuff. of emails waiting you for know, me. Yeah. I think some of the best like thoughts and decisions and just general, you know, um, you know, effectiveness and, and pr productivity mm -hmm. are after you have a chance to take a break. Yeah. Now it, it could be so difficult to do because, you know, for a lot of business owners to take that break means how is this business going to run while I'm gone? Yeah. And that's why, you know, there's a lot of, there's business coaches out there. There's, you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's psychologists. I mean, there's a bunch of different people that you can go and speak to. And, um, you know, there's a different solution to, you know, to do it, you know, for each individual. But, you know, working yourself out of the business should be, you know, that's that's got to be part of the exit plan is how yeah. do I work out? And, and I think, um, you know, certain people are like, you know what? Like, I want someone to come in and run the business because I just want to be the creative person. That's right. why I'm here. Right. You know, I'm, you know, this is why I started the business. I'm, a, you know, love doing this. And I don't want to look at P&Ls. I don't want to worry about my bookkeeping. I don't want to worry about, mm -hmm. you know, my insurance policy that's going to renew. I'd rather just hire somebody to take care of all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. You know, so. Isn't it funny? You start a business. You start a business because th at the end of the business, if you do all the things right, you'll have freedom. Exactly. That's what we're all chasing. Uh, yeah. Or you start a business and then you hire somebody to give you freedom. Right. But you still have the business. And then there's always the risk of that person leaving. Yep. Whereas you could just not do any of those things 
and be a surf bum. <laughs> I know. I mean, you, there, there's, and that's go full time hippie. You know, there's, there's. I think that success should be measured based on on your just general happiness. Yeah. yeah. If you're not a happy person, and and this again, this is my opinion. If you're not a happy person, like how is how can you be successful if you're not happy? Like life's life's too short, man. You only have so much time, and I think kind of like you were saying, it took you you know several years to define what your version of success is. I think I'm I'm getting a little bit closer in that, yeah. but ultimately, you know, it's, it's very similar. Is that I just I I want to enjoy what I do every yeah. day, and um, you know, I'm lucky to be able to find enjoyment somehow and just help, you know, in helping people solve problems. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately what it comes down to is when people ask what, you know, what we do as bookkeepers and fractional CFOs, I typically tell them we, we, we help you see your business finances clearly and we help you solve problems. Yeah. I'd say, I'd add that you guys bring peace of mind too, as well. well. Thank you. I think every good professional service person that you hire to do the things that take away from, you know, like, like you just mentioned, I like being the creative person. I like being the big picture person. Right. I like going, here's our strategy. Here's the market. Here's how we can go to market. And if we follow these things, you know, we'll scale and we'll grow. But then things like, like bookkeeping freak me out, Yeah, you know, cause it's like, I know that it has to happen, but at the same time too, I'm kind of naturally lazy and I'm going to procrastinate and I'm yep. going to put that thing off. So when you bring in a good professional service provider, to keep your books, to run your risk management, to have your money make more money, mm -hmm. that gives you peace of mind. And that's unquantifiable in terms of how much money you pay somebody to do that. I think that's a good measure of, of success is having a team of trusted people that's helping you achieve yeah. the, the goal, yeah. right? Like that's a pretty good measure, I'd say. Yeah. And there's an old adage that says... Uh, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. The next best time is today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I guess to say also to kind of answer the question, you know, how, you know, for a business owner, how do I step out? How do I do it? Well, I mean, this isn't, this is the worst answer, but it's like you, from the beginning, you got to have that mindset of how are we going to do, how, how am I going to do this? And that's just surrounding yourself with, you know, with people mm -hmm. that are smarter than you in different areas and can help you, you know, think think differently, yeah. right? That's the yeah. power of a team. Steve so. Jobs doesn't need me to uh, carry his water for him, but he had a great quote and it was, we don't hire smart people to tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. Exactly. And I, that one's always I, just kind of stuck with me. Me too, man. Yeah. I, I absolutely, it's so funny you brought up Steve Jobs because I did a uh, commencement speech for I think our MSA program when we graduated. And I was like, I don't, know anything so i basically <laughs> just quoted a bunch of steve Jobs stuff and i just like he just got such a incredible outlook and philosophy on life and you know coming from someone who's super successful yeah. well again there we go super yeah, yeah, successful right? i mean yeah he made a lot of money but and was changed he happy? the world but i don't know yeah. i mean i think that was part of his dilemma yeah is he used to go on these different retreats and all these different things to really try to find like what am i doing here yeah. a lot of people would say he was just a he was a gnarly dude to deal with. Yeah. I mean, but hey, I yeah. mean, that's comes with the territory, sure I guess. Sure does. But sure well, does. cool, man. Well, uh, just kind of wrapping up here. Yep. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Good conversations. And for people that might want to start a podcast yeah. or have, you know, some type of sales and marketing or just general like business coaching. Yep. 
Um, how do we get in, in I contact with you? I haven't put a price you? on my general business coaching yet, so reach out to me for podcasting for sure. <laughs> um, but I, you know, if you want, if you want to, I, my, I aim to give and I aim to serve. So somebody wants to get in touch with me, LinkedIn's a great place to connect with me. It's just Rob Renz on LinkedIn. I'm a somewhat decent follow on Instagram. I think I've been working on it. A it's decent follow. Rob underscore Renz on Instagram, and you can always email me. It's Rob at signalfire.media. Awesome, man. Well, yeah. thanks. Thanks again, Rob. Thank you, Chris. Good Appreciate catching you, man. up. You too, bud. Thank you all for joining and uh, have a have a uh, a good rest of the day and go uh, go figure out a way to find what your definition of success is and uh, make that the priority, happiness and success. Thanks.